Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very adult content ahead, and you know what? You've been warned. (laughs) Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am always your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring yet another witchy-poo story, because, as you know, it is Witchtober. As always, we will be playing our drinking game, But, as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. Because we're such a loser. I know. I am too. Now, I will leave the choice of witch's brew up to you. That rhymed. So, choose your poison accordingly, my darlings. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say Shipton, that will be a single shot. And every time I say prophecy, that'll be a double shot. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma and the eerie prophecies of Mother Shipton that terrified all of England. Whew, can't wait for it. Let's jump into it, my heathens. Mother Shipton is England's most famous prophetess. She foretold the fates of several rulers within and just after her own lifetime, as well as the invention of iron ships, the Great Fire of London in 1666, and the defeat of the Spanish Armada. As well as making traditional remedies, Mother Shipton had another gift. That's right, she could predict the future. It started off with small premonitions, but as she practiced, she became more confident and her powers grew accordingly. Soon, she was known as Knaresborough Prophetess, a witch. She made her living telling the future and warning those who asked of what was to come. And after a long life, she died in 1561 at the age of 73, unheard of in those times. Mother Shipton still provides a scare to British folklorists. In the spring of 1881, families across England deserted their homes, too terrified to sleep in their own beds. They slept in fields or prayed in churches and chapels for God to spare their lives in the apocalypse that was foretold as The World to an End Shall Come in 1881. The source of the population's terror was Mother Shipton, also known as Ursula Shipton, a woman whose prophecies had been circulating through England and beyond since the 17th century. In often cryptic verse, the crone-like seer predicted wars, rebellions, and all types of natural disasters. After London burned in 1666, Samuel Pepys wrote in his diary, Mother Shipton's word is out. 
Her prophecies were published in one form or another over 20 times between 1641 and 1700. But in the 1800s, her predictions grew even more terrifying. The end of the world was foretold in a book published in 1862. Its other prophetic verse included, and I quote, A carriage without a horse shall go, disaster fill the world with woe, and water iron then shall float, as easy as a wooden boat. Well, we know the world did not end in 1881. Or, you know, insert REMs, it's the end of the world as we know it. People began sleeping in their beds once more. It was not the first time that fear of a mother shipped in prediction convulsed a nation, and guess what? It would not be the last. Today, there is some considerable skepticism that she even ever existed. Many of her written predictions are confirmed forgeries, created to sell greater numbers of chapbooks and almanacs. Her 1684 biographer spun spooky details of her birth and existence. The 1881 end of the world prophecy was debunked when the Victorian editor Charles Hindley publicly confessed to concocting the verses himself. Nonetheless, belief in Mother Shipton persists. Today, a thriving tourist attraction called Mother Shipton's Cave at Knaresborough, North Yorkshire, features the cave where she was reportedly born and the petrifying well where objects can turn to stone. There's also a shop selling mugs and tea towels and thimbles and wishing well water in all sorts of colors like dark pink, ruby red, and kelly green. And if you're buying for lovely little Nicole, purple please. But just because Mother Shipton has become the label on Kelly Green wishing well water does not mean that she has no basis in fact. Much like Robin Hood or King Arthur, it's believed that if we were able to trace the myth-making back to the very beginning, a living, breathing person could be identified. Now, there are no written references to Mother Shipton in the 1500s. That name actually doesn't appear in print until 1641. But prophecies in her name didn't exist in her lifetime or for decades thereafter. But a mention of a witch of York in a chilling letter written by King Henry VIII himself could be the elusive source of the legend. Now, the context of the letter is critical. It was written to Thomas Howard, Duke of Norfolk, while the Duke was in the middle of a clean-up operation following the Northern Rebellion against the King, known as the Pilgrimage of Grace. Thousands of commoners and a fair number of nobles rose up against the reforms in religion forced on the country by Henry VIII. And we all know that story, right? Well, the rebels were particularly upset by the fresh taxes and the closing of the monasteries, where in the poorer regions of the north were needed sources of food, shelter, and medical care. The Duke of Norfolk had defeated this 1537 outbreak, which followed the main rebellion of 1536. And he was now imprisoning and then executing people without trial, imposing martial law. He wrote his king that he had hanged more than 70. Henry VIII, who wanted harsh measures taken against the rebels, dictated the following letter to Norfolk in response. And I quote, 
we approve of your proceedings in the displaying of our banner, which being now spread, till it is closed again, the course of our laws must give place to martial law. And before you close it up again, you must cause such dreadful execution upon a good number of inhabitants, hanging them on trees, quartering them, and setting their heads and quarters in every town, as shall be a fearful warning, whereby shall ensue the preservation of a great multitude. You shall send up to us the traitors Bigod, the friar of Nairborough, Leche, if he may be taken, the vicar of Pinrith and Townley, late chancellor to the bishop of Carlisle, who has been a great promoter of these rebellions, the witch of York, and one Dr. Pickering, a canon. You are to see to the lands and goods of such as shall now be attained, that we may have them in safety to be given, if we be so disposed, to those who have truly served us. End of quote. The Witch of York Could this be a contemporary reference to a woman who not only caused enough trouble to incite the wrath of Henry VIII, but also transformed into Mother Shipton? Maybe? Her legend grew and grew in the 1600s in published almanacs. Ursula was born in a cave in 1488, the child of an orphan servant girl and an unknown father, perhaps Lucifer himself. She was singularly ugly, called Devil's Bastard and Hagface. Nonetheless, Ursula married a builder named Toby Shipton and lived quietly with him, never persecuted for witchcraft, though regularly uttering prophecy. Her stature, wrote her biographer, was larger than common, her body crooked, her face frightful, but her understanding extraordinary. How much of this describes the Witch of York, described by Henry VIII, well, is just unknown. The fact that Mother Shipton's first known prediction concerned the fate of Cardinal Wolsey, well, is quite significant. According to Woolsey's gentleman usher and later biographer, George Cavendish, Woolsey, near the end of his life, was disturbed by a prophecy he heard, and Cavendish wrote, and I quote, There is a saying, quoth he, that when this cow rideth the bull, then priest beware thy skull, end quote. According to Tudor court interpretation, the cow was Anne Boleyn, who, in her holding sway over Henry VIII and convincing him to divorce his queen to marry her, triggered the break with the Catholic Church. Mother Shipton was not attributed to this prophecy by Cavendish, but in the future, her soothsaying would intertwine with Wolsey's ended fate. Belief in prophecy ran through every level of Tudor society. It reached a fever pitch during the dangerous 1530s when queens and courtiers were beheaded, monasteries fell, and rebels were hung from, from trees across the north of England. Many prophecies were used for political purposes. Uprisers against Henry VII said that they were following the ancient sages. The rebels of the Pilgrimage of Grace cried that Henry VIII was the ancient Moldwarp, monster ruler foretold by Merlin who would be cast down. Anthony Babington, who conspired to assassinate Elizabeth I, carried a prediction of Merlin's sayings. One popular prophecy during Elizabeth's time was when H-E-M-P-E -E is soon, England's done. H-E-M-P-E -E was thought to stand for Henry, Elizabeth, Mary, Philip, Elizabeth. Interesting. 
Madeline Dodds in Political Prophecies in the Reign of Henry VIII wrote, Political prophecies tended to be invoked at a time of crisis, usually to demonstrate that some drastic change, either desired or already accomplished, had been foreseen by the sages of the past. End quote. And in the 1700s and 1800s, Mother Shipton's prophecies broadened to cataclysmic disasters, amazing inventions, and, of course, the end of the world, as we know it. Okay, anyways. Stripped of politics, they were more potent than ever. Perhaps they feel the deep craving within to feel that everything happens by some design, even if it is drawn by an ancient mystic sage or even a witch. We are all of us fulfilling an obscure and coded destiny. It's a craving that we still see around us today, and it might just be part of being human. While many prophecies were attributed to Mother Shipton, I have a few that I'm going to share with you and you guys can make your own mind up. All right, here we go. And remember, these are in Old English, so, you know, they might sound a little funny. And, you know, I might be, you know, want to do the little crone voice that I've enjoyed so much these past few episodes. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not drunk enough yet. For those who live the century through, in fear and trembling, this shall do. Flee to the mountains and the dens, to bog and forest and wild fens. For storms will rage and oceans roar, when Gabriel stands on sea and shore. And as he blows his wondrous horn, old worlds die and new be born. A fiery dragon will cross the sky, six times before the earth shall die. Mankind will tremble and frightened be, for the six heralds in this prophecy. For seven days and seven nights, man will watch this awesome sight. The tides will rise beyond their kin to bite away the shores, and then the mountains will begin to roar, and earthquakes split the plain to shore. And flooding waters rushing in will flood the lands with such a den that mankind cowers in muddy fen and snarls about his fellow men. He bears his teeth and fights and kills, and secret food in secret hills. And ugly in his fear, he lies to kill marauders, thieves, and spies. Man flees in terror from the floods, and kills and rapes and lies in blood. And spilling blood by mankind's hand will stain and bitter many lands. And when the dragon's tail is gone, man forgets and smiles and carries on. To apply himself too late, too late for mankind has earned deserved fate. His masked smile, his false grandeur, will serve the gods their anger stir, and they will send the dragon back to light the sky. His tail will crack upon the earth and rend the earth, and man shall flee king, lord, and serf. But slowly they are routed out to seek diminishing water spout, and men will die of thirst before the oceans rise to mount to the shore, and lands will crack and rend anew. Do you think it strange? It will come true. And in some far off distant land, some men, oh such a tiny band, will have to leave their solid mount and span the earth, those few to count. Who survives this and then begin the human race again? But not on land already there, but on ocean beds, stark, dry, and bare. 
Not every soul on earth will die As the dragon's tail goes sweeping by Not every land on earth will sink But those will wallow in stench and stink Of rotting bodies of beast and man Of vegetation crisps on land But the land that rises from the sea Will be dry and clean and soft and free Of mankind's dirt and therefore be The source of man's new destiny And those that live will ever fear The dragon's tail for many year But time erases memory You think it strange, but it will be And before the race is built anew A silver serpent comes to view And spew out men of like unknown To mingle with the earth now grown Cold from its heat And these man can enlighten The minds of future man to intermingle and show them how to live and love and thus endow the children with the second sight, a natural thing so that they might grow graceful, humble, and when they do, the golden age will start anew. The dragon's tail is but a sign for mankind's fall and man's decline, and before this prophecy is done, I shall be burned at the stake at one. My body singed, my soul set free, you think I utter blasphemy? You're wrong. These things have come to me. This prophecy will come to be. So, how do we save the world? It may now only be possible to save the world, but not in our time. Not our current structure or society or even civilization. Anymore, it was possible to save the countless people and civilizations that have lived and died before our own. The needless suffering on this planet is now so immeasurable that it pains the very universe in the way many cannot understand. So much of the past few years has been focused on politics, economics, terrorism, and holy war that we seem to forget or have been purposely led away from the realities of the real dangers, both geological and astronomic, that lie in wait beneath our feet or above our very heads. There is a story in the Talmud about a king who became very angry at his son. The king ordered that his son be crushed under a huge stone. But the prince appeared before his father, admitted his mistake, and repented before the kingdom. He wept at the king's feet, begging forgiveness, swearing that he had learned his lesson. The people were also moved, and a great roar went up that he should not be put to death. This softened the king's heart, and he took pity upon his own son. But his word was law, which he could not go back on. He had already made his pronouncement, and he could not be forsworn. But then he had an idea. He had the stone that was to crush the prince broken and smashed into pebbles. He ordered his subjects to hit the prince with the pebbles, so his order could be carried out and the prince's life would be spared. So it is with what is yet to come. There are a number of asteroids headed toward us that have many of our numbers on them. Some of them are already in a convoluted orbit around Earth, and the symbology of Mother Shipton could not be more accurate. We would no doubt have to sit powerless as one of these great rocks, looking like a fiery dragon, grazed the upper atmosphere coming closer and closer with each pass before it finally struck us. On February 24, 1987, 
the light from a supernova which exploded 160,000 years ago in the satellite galaxy of our Milky Way, known as the Large Magellanic Cloud, became visible from Earth. A supernova is basically an exploding super-hot star, usually called a red giant. But in this particular case, it was a gigantic blue star, much older and much harder, and far, far more powerful. This supergiant blue star, inside what is called the Tarantula Nebula, exploded and then imploded into a very dense neutron star called a pulsar. When stars become pulsars, it radiates energy at precise intervals. The star either pulses like a heart or spins, with the radiation coming out only on one side, like a fantastical huge lighthouse keeping ships off the cosmic rocks. This supernova, which made the front covers of every science magazine and newspaper at the time, was named SN, or Supernova, 1987-A. It went on to exhibit such unusual traits that it is currently under intense scrutiny by the world astronomical and scientific community. The U.S., Japan, and Russia recorded bursts of neutrinos in deep underground sensors at the same time the supernova was observed. Neutrinos are massless, neutral particles that travel at the speed of light. And our Earth was bathed down to its very core in this energy, affecting every single man, woman, and child, and every part of the ecological food chain. But not to be outdone, there are other sleeping dragons that we must consider first. For example, here alone in North America, there are four great threats that have lain dormant for many, many years. The first one, and I know you guys know this, the Yellowstone Caldera. It's overdue for an eruption and, well, I hate to say it, might bring around another ice age for us. Then we have Mount Rainier, the New Madrid Fault, and, of course, the San Andreas Fault. And as the old Chinese proverb goes, when you build your house next to a dragon, it should not matter that the dragon is sleeping, because, eventually, he will wake up. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode. And I do thank you for joining me here today, and I hope you'll take the time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on this note, that's all the time that I have for you today. We thank you for joining us here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my heathens. I see you and I love you. Mwah! Sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.